Hi, this is Dr. MJ coming to you from beautiful Boston, Massachusetts. This is the Women in Dentistry podcast where we feature women in dentistry making waves and leading the industry through the next decade. I am your host, Dr. Mary Jane Hanlon, a former dental assistant, dental hygienist, and now dentist. I'm very pleased to introduce you today to Dr. Katerina Papathanasu. Dr. Papathanasu graduated from the National and Cappadocian University of Athens Dental School in Greece. She received her postgraduate certificate in operative dentistry, endodontics, and cariology from Athens University, the Royal Dental College in Denmark, and then continued her postgraduate training in advanced education in aesthetic dentistry at Tufts University School of Dental Medicine. She also received her DMD degree from Tufts University. Dr. Pathanasu has been a full-time faculty member at the Department of Prosthodontics at Tufts University, teaching pre-doctoral and postdoctoral students and conducting research for many years. Currently, she is the director of the Advanced Graduate Aesthetic and Operative Dentistry Program in the Department of Prosthodontics at Tufts. She's also a visiting lecturer for the Continuing Dental Education Programs at New York University since 2007. She's conducted multiple research projects and has numerous publications in peer-reviewed dental journals. She lectures and gives hands-on workshops nationally and internationally on aesthetic dentistry topics, tooth whitening, composite restorations, and minimally invasive aesthetic dentistry. She's a fellow of the International College of Dentists and the International Academy for Dental and Facial Aesthetics. She was also the editor-in-chief of the Greek dental journal, Aesthetic Dentistry and Implantology. She's also part of the editorial team of Reality Aesthetics and the editorial review board of the Journal of Cosmetic Dentistry. Dr. Papathanasu maintained for many years a private practice limited to aesthetic and restorative dentistry in Athens, Greece. Currently, she practices part-time in Boston, Mass. It is now my pleasure to bring you to my interview with Dr. Katerina Papathanasu. Katerina, it's so great to spend some time with you this afternoon. I've been looking forward to this, this moment all week because, you know, as we both work at Tufts and have formed this great relationship, you know, I know a fair amount about you, you know a fair amount about me, but what you are doing in the world of dentistry and the world of aesthetics is critically important. And that you have moved you and your family to the United States just to do dentistry. So I'm really excited to talk about that aspect. It's not not very many people that can pick up and leave their country and their family and start brand new in some, some of the locations. So it'll be great to talk to you about that. So as we talked about earlier, anything that you can share about your history and how you got into dentistry, I know the audience would love to hear. Thank you, Mary Jane. Thank you for the invitation. And uh, I was looking forward to uh, our conversation today, the whole week uh, as well. So my story behind uh, who I am today and how I decided to become a dentist. My first memories are back when I was around four years old, four or five years old in my father's practice, which uh, I was admiring him and seeing him treating the patients, the patients being so happy. And he was trying to teach me at that time the names of all the dental instruments. So I remember in such a young age, I knew what the explorer was, what the intraoral mirror, the scaler. And 
I knew inside me that I'm going to become a dentist. Uh, and then I decided I went to the dental school. I graduated from Athens, Greece. So my first uh, DDS, DMD, was from uh, Greece. And then I continued my training in Denmark. Scandinavian countries, they have very good reputation in dentistry. So I attended a postgraduate program in operative dentistry, cardiology, and endodontics in Aarhus Royal Dental College. And then I moved here at Tufts University in Boston, where I did my postgraduate training in aesthetic dentistry. At that time, the program at Tufts in aesthetic dentistry was the only postgraduate official program in aesthetic dentistry worldwide. Oh my gosh, I did not know that. That's fascinating. It was a great experience. And uh, since then, Tufts is my second family, my second home. So tell me a little bit about what it was like to grow up with a dad. Did he guide you with into dentistry? Did he talk about patients as you were getting older? Did you work in the office when you were younger? Yes. So while I was younger and uh, when I was studying dentistry, I was always shadowing him. So I was going and uh, being his uh, dental assistant. But even before that, as I said, many occasions I was going to the practice during the summer. I was trying to help out. So I don't think if he really guided me or I loved seeing him, how happy he was with his profession, that I wanted to also be happy with my profession. And this is how I decided. And um, for people they know me, they say that I tried to combine the professions of my both parents. So my father is an architect and I chose aesthetic dentistry. So aesthetic dentistry has to do a lot with architectures and symmetries. So I think I somehow combine both professions of my parents. Wow, that's so exciting. So your dad practiced for how long? And at some point, did you go back to Greece and purchase his practice or take over his practice? So my father practices for over 50 years. And at some point, I had to go back and take over the practice. So I went back, I took over the practice, but then I wanted also to create my own practice, which was limited to aesthetic and restorative dentistry. And this is what I did. And I was able to create a very successful team, a beautiful practice. Uh, I was doing very well, but then as a family with uh, my husband and uh, our two boys, we decided to relocate here in Boston. And I always wanted to have an academic career. So even for the years that I stayed and practiced in Greece, I used to come back at Tufts and used to do some research or do some lectures, the same with NYU, which I also have like a kind of affiliation and uh, I give some C courses. Wow, that's so amazing. So you spent how many years in practice in Greece? Um, Around 10 years, yeah. And I was going back and forth these years. And you now practice one day a week here? In Boston. Full-time faculty, yep. And does it feel like that one day is, allows you to keep your hand on things and keep moving forward with your skill set? Yes, I think it does allow me. Of course, it's not the same like being in private practice full-time. But when I decided to move here, I wanted to devote and dedicate myself to academia. I wanted to teach 
and I'm very happy where I am. I'm very happy as a full-time member at Tufts and I'm happy that I'm able to combine it with uh, one day private practice. Yeah, we're actually really happy to have you too. So, you know, your background is extensive in your dental education is in three different countries. And that is something I think our audience would like to hear more about. What makes the difference? What's the difference between, because you've gone through all three, what's the difference between Greece and then Denmark and then here as far as the educational model is concerned? So Greece has very high dental education. So I believe we only have dentals, two dental schools, but we have a lot of faculty members in the dental schools that they were trained in the U.S. and in Europe. And they came back to Greece and they became uh, faculty members and they're teaching and training the dental students. Also, a lot of the people that they came to the United States and they did specialty training, they moved back to Greece. So we do have very highly skilled clinicians. Many of them, they're Tufts alumni. So at some point we had the Greek alumni from Tufts was the biggest alumni at Tufts. It's different if I compare it with uh, the states as far as insurance, let's say, in the practice. In Greece, we do not have dental insurance. So, you know, some people say that sometimes our treatment here could be dictated in a way from dental insurance, but we don't have this in Greece. At the same time, when you have dental insurance, you take care of your teeth more comparing to not having this and especially during difficult financial times. So there are some differences, but overall I think they have, like in Greece, you have very highly skilled dentists. Concerning Denmark, in Denmark when I studied there, what surprised me is they believe more in function and not as much as aesthetics. So I remember a few years after my postgraduate training here at Tufts, I went, I was invited to Denmark to give a lecture on tooth whitening. And the first question I had from uh, the participant was, why do whiter teeth look better than yellower teeth? So I was like really surprised with this question because I don't think you would have this question in an audience when you lecture here in the United States. So this is kind of differences, but uh, overall, strongly believe that everywhere you can have, you can find very highly skilled dentists in Greece, in Denmark, and in the United States. The education now in Greece is different from the perspective that we do not have private dental schools, we have state schools. So we only have two dental schools, and it's very hard to be accepted in a dental school. It's very, very competitive. And the education is uh, five years versus here, which is four years. But here first you have to complete the college education, which in Greece we do not have that. So you can go right from high school? Correct. All the way through. Okay. Very big difference. So, you know, as a faculty member, how long was your specialty program in Denmark? I just want to go back to that. It was a little bit less than a year. It was more like um, GPR, general practice. Very good. Now, moving forward to your faculty career, tell us a little bit about where that passion came from. 
because I, you know, you're beloved by all the students and residents that I know. But where did that come from? Like, what made you decide? Because obviously, people that decide to go into academia certainly take a pay cut, right? When when it comes to how much they have a lifetime of making, what made you decide? What where did that passion come from for the teaching? When I came at Tufts, what I feel and what I usually say is, I really love dentistry, but when I came to Tufts and when I was a resident at Tufts, I was so motivated and inspired by my faculty that I saw a different aspect of the industry and uh, also academia, which I never thought about it before. So I think the motivation and the inspiration I received from my mentors and my faculty members at that time, this is what made me decide that I want to give back to my students, to Tufts, and I want at some point to pass the torch to the new generations, and this is what I'm trying to do, especially now through my position as a director of uh, the Geostatics Operative Program at Tufts. And how many residents are you currently educating? So usually we have around eight residents in the program. The program uh, can be a two-year residency or a three-year joint with a master's degree. And we offer also a one-year fellowship in aesthetic dentistry. That's great. So moving on to other things, your spouse is also a dentist. And is that helpful or hurtful? Because, you know, in the scheme of marriages, it's funny. Some people either love having their spouse be in the same profession and some people don't. So I'd love to get your feedback on that. So my husband is a dentist, is a prosthodontist, and he also graduated from Tufts. So he did his prost training here at Tufts. You know, it's very interesting when you go home and you can discuss, and sometimes you can share some of your concerns, and the other person can understand what you're talking about. But I hear what you say, and I have faced that sometimes we only talk about dentistry. But I think we have found the balance after after the years that we have been ma- married, and especially with uh, our sons. Like we have so many other things to talk now about that we don't just focus to dentistry. Before having the boys, and while we were practicing back in Greece, yes, we used to talk a lot, and uh, we used also to have different opinions in many of the cases because. Sometimes, some of the cases, he suggested you know, a kind, different kind of treatment compared to what I was suggesting from my perspective. So it was interesting. It still is interesting, but I think we have found the balance. Oh, that's great. Now, how do you manage your family? Because you must miss them terribly. Yeah. It's very hard to have my parents uh, overseas and other family members, uh, as well as our friends. So we try usually to travel a couple of times per year and see them and spend some time with them. Unfortunately, now with the whole COVID situation, we have more restrictions and we will not be able to do that that this summer, but hopefully uh, we'll be able to do it in December. I hope so too, for everybody's sake, because, you know, as many of us know, you know, phase two is ramping up, phase three in Massachusetts is ramping up, but 
not in the, the school situation because we have to be really careful with the amount of people that we have coming into the building. You know, we have to go very slowly. And I think it's critically important that we do pay attention to that. So I can't imagine, you know, if my family being so far away and especially I, I do know that your parents are a little bit older and it's got to be more difficult because you worry about them, right? You know, it's just like having kids, you worry about them. Absolutely, I do. But at the same time, I'm fortunate that we have technology. So I do FaceTime them daily and uh, just making sure that they're doing well. And then I think of myself, like 15, 20 years ago when I was here at Tufts and I was not able to have these uh, video calls. So I just, I could just hear them. And at that time, it was pretty expensive, you know, to call overseas. Now things are completely different. Which is great. Very helpful for everyone. Very, very helpful. Let's talk a little bit about what do you think is the best piece of advice that you've gotten in your career? And it could be personal. It could be about your career. But if anything comes to mind, let's chat about it for a few minutes. So about my career, I think the biggest piece of advice is always try to do your best. There are always limitations. There's so many things that you can't control, but there's so many other things that you cannot control. So do not worry. Just believe in yourself, be confident, and move forward. Just always stay focused uh, and try hard, work hard, and you're always going to get where you want to be. You're always going to achieve what your dreams and what your hopes are. Just stay focused, do your best, be kind and respect. I think this is a piece of advice, not only professionally, personally as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, when you, you recently mentioned um, confidence, you know, that's one of the, the reasons why I started this podcast, as I have shared with you. When you were younger, do you feel like you innately had a lot of confidence in your ability? Or was that something that you developed over time? I was not confident at all. As a young girl, I don't remember being confident. I remember having insecurities. And this was one of the reasons that uh, my father suggested that uh, I go to martial arts. So I practiced for many years uh, martial arts. I was champion in judo in Greece and also champion in Balkanian, which is the uh, southeast part of Europe. And I believe you know, being encouraged to be in the sports and in competitive uh, sports and in championship really helped me strengthen my confidence and made me shape me to who I am today. I saw that with my own daughter when she skated at a world level. That really impacted her for the rest of her, it will impact her for the rest of her life. She gained so much confidence by being competing at a very high level and, and with a team that she learned to do some leadership and, and work you know, collaboratively with other members of the team. A lot of sports really helps. A lot of the concepts in sports really help to create great leaders on the other side when, when we finish doing our sports. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. And your boys are doing some sports now too, aren't they? Yes, my younger one is uh, playing basketball. So he's in a basketball team, in a travel team. And both of them, they're in a swim team. 
so they're both doing well and i can't wait until the COVID situation you know just getting control or gets controlled so this way they can go back to practicing and competing because they love what they're doing absolutely absolutely i think we're all looking forward to that who has made the biggest impact do you think on your life so far my family with no doubt so i'm grateful of my parents who have shaped me to who i am today so uh, i'm grateful to my parents who have shaped me to who i am today my husband who is my anchor and definitely my boys my sons because they have made me see life from a different perspective they teach me every day something new and um, they are the wind beneath my wing i cannot imagine life without them they motivate me they inspire me and through difficult times or easier times they help me so much so this is these are my aspirations like my family members mm -hmm. i think that in all of this this craziness that we have been through um, during covid i think we all have more of appreciation for our families and our time together i know how hard it hit me when i could not see my grandson and i went two months almost without seeing him or my daughter or my son-in-law and you know when you have one child and one grandson it it felt like it was forever i it really did it felt like it was forever because it was a long stretch of time and i do have a true appreciation even more so not that i didn't love them you know oodles before but even more so now with with everything that we have been through when you're out lecturing is there is there anyone that inspires you to do what you do as far as lecturing like you know when you started to lecture how did you get into it and was there someone in in particular that inspired you my mentors here at Tufts, and uh, I don't want to specify, uh, you know, specific people. I don't want to mention specific names. I think they were the ones that, in the beginning, and I'm talking about over 20 years ago, they said, oh, why don't you present the study, the research project we did together? So they start putting this little thought inside me, oh, why not to do it? So let's do it. And then one, brought the other one and suddenly I remember some years ago I was with a suitcase traveling from place to place at least once or twice a month and uh, when I was in Europe I was doing a lot not only in Greece but in Europe as well I was also in uh, opinion leaders and expert groups in Europe in uh, aesthetic dentistry so I think you know it just takes people around you mentors to just make you see what is available out there and all the opportunities and especially here in the united states we're so lucky because there are so many opportunities uh, compared to other parts of the world and i think we should go out and just try to take advantage and try to grab all these opportunities and work hard I agree. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think you hit on something that's really important that many times we don't see our own potential, but others see that potential in us. And just by motivating us 
to do something and pushing us ourselves outside of our comfort zone that we we certainly can accomplish a heck of a lot more than we ever expected that we could i really believe that absolutely agree and i think sometimes you have to take risks and this was a decision a risky decision when i decided to relocate for a second time and come to boston i was leaving a very successful practice i had to leave my husband and my two toddler boys at that time for six months before they were able to join me here wow. so it was a very risky decision at that time my husband didn't have a job also because i was the one moving first but if I had to choose, if I had to make a decision and choose again, I would do the same thing, exactly what I did. That's great. That means you made a right decision for you. And I hope for me and my family and my boys. Mm -hmm. Tell me one thing that people would be surprised to know about you. I think it's what I mentioned before that I was jumping in Greece in judo. People, they don't believe because they see always that I'm so calm that I was into martial arts. But I believe because of martial arts, I have a lot of my characteristics in my personality. So I think this is the, the thing that the most people are getting surprised when they hear about me. I actually didn't know that about you. And I, that did surprise me. So that's great. That is great. I studied athletics and physical education before the dental school back in Greece for some years due to my involvement in the sports and my championship uh, awards. So it was a great experience and I always cherish those years. Now, did you ever participate in the Olympics if you were the country's champion? Uh, no, at that time there were not female, there were not the female judo was not an Olympic <gasps> sport. So we're talking about several years ago. Right. But is it now? It, it have yes, they finally? It oh, thank goodness. Yes. Thank yes. goodness. Yes. Yeah. One of the things that, uh, when, when my daughter skated that we were really sad about is that she never got to participate in the Olympics because they were national champions year after year. And that was one of the, her greatest sadnesses that she could compete at the world level, but she never was able to compete at the Olympics, which because it's a female sport, it's still not accepted. And I find that still interesting to this day that they don't. It's good that things are changing and more sports, more female sports are getting included in the Olympic Games. So, you know, it's, it's great to see these changes. And hopefully soon, uh, Synchronized skating will be added, absolutely. Absolutely. Tell us a, your favorite way to manage stress. Some people hike, some people cook. What's your favorite way to manage stress? I love to take long walks on the beach and swim. So coming from Greece, you know, for me, sea, the water, the ocean is essential. And we have a um, Greek word, it's called thalassotherapia which is thalassotherapy, which means uh, the therapy that comes from the seawater, from the sea, and uh, definitely gives you this sensation of uh, being calm and relaxed. So for me, being close to the sea and taking long walks on the beach is what makes me relaxed. Well, you're definitely in the right place. Boston is so close to the ocean. You're definitely in the right place. 
Now, do you have a motto or a mantra that you live by, something, a quote that resonates with you that you think about on a regular basis when things might get a little bit rough or, you know, difficult? So one of the things that my son told me a few months ago, my younger one, is like, mommy, don't worry about things that you cannot change. Always keep your head up and dream big. The future is yours to decide and always stay kind as you are. Oh. Which are, you know, coming from, now he's 12, from an 11-year-old boy at the time, I was like, he's so right. There's so many things, so many things we can change, but we cannot change everything. And I think the sooner we realize that, the happier we're going to be. Wow, that was awesome. He's such a, an impressive young man. Do you have a secret dream that you would like to share with the audience? Something that you would love to do if, if money was no object, what would you do? What would be the first thing that you would do? I think travel. I miss traveling, especially being here with uh, our sons and not having a support system with my husband. Uh, we haven't been able to travel just the two of us or due to our uh, busy schedule, it's hard to find time to travel the four of us, uh, except when we go to Greece to see our families. So I would love to travel. And I think that, you know, the memories you get from traveling and from your quality family time is what counts at the end. It's so true. This is my secret dream. <laughs> I think we all share in that dream. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you have any advice for young women that might be starting out in a practice, a dental practice? And I know it's very different in the United States, but you know, there's certain things that, that we should be conscientious of when we start a practice. Is there anything that you can think of that you did that you thought was really smart when you reflect back on it now? I remember when I was ready to start my own practice, I was trying to find the best location. I was trying to find the best building, the best space. But I think what I learned from experience is what it counts at the end is the team that you have. Of course, location helps. The building helps. You know, having a beautiful environment helps. But you have to find your dream team and create the dream team. Create a team with uh, compassion, with empathy, but at the same time with ambition. People that they want to come to work, not because they have to come from eight to five, but because they want to come and know for. What I realize is our work is our second family. We spend more time here for me at school or in private practice in the past than I used to spend with my family members. So it's important to create the team with people that you feel confident, people that makes you feel that you're doing well and help you do well. And of course you have to treat them as a family member as well. Same with our patients. Now, you, since you started your practice from scratch, is there marketing? Did you have to do marketing? Is it marketing in Greece? I, I just, is it more word of mouth or do you advertise for your practice? 
it's not allowed to advertise in Greece. So this was forbidden. For me, it was an advantage that I had great referrals because I was moving a practice of my father to another location, but at the same time, I was building it as a new practice limited to aesthetic and restorative dentistry. So I knew that I'm going to have a big pool of patients from that practice. At the same time, I created a website, which uh, helped a lot. But definitely, if I had to do it today, I would invest in social media. I feel like social media right now, they are the best marketing tool or one of the best marketing tools for practices. So we see all these dental businesses. We see so many, even education through social media as far as dentistry goes so this would be my advice and what i feel is the new generations they are so focused on social media they don't even like reading emails anymore they just want to tweet and they just want to go through instagram my boys sometimes they say oh they're still using facebook this is so old-fashioned so everything changed so fast but I think social media, they're here to stay. Absolutely. Speaking of things changing so fast, you know, have you changed all of your courses, didactic courses over to virtual? And if so, how is that going? And has it had any negative impact on you as a teacher, as a faculty member, this huge transition? So we started immediately uh, when the school decided that we had to go virtually. That was um, middle of March. We just transitioned everything and we did all our courses uh, throughout the COVID uh, time virtually through Zoom. It was a challenge in the beginning as uh, we were not familiar with uh, all the technology and all the opportunities that we had to use. But now we feel much more comfortable. I think the residents and the other faculty appreciated the transition. But at the same time, I believe there are courses that they cannot be given virtually. Like we have seminars like treatment planning seminars. And we do need to have, you know, the cast. We need to have the articulator. We need to be able to discuss the case. So... Of course, the other courses that we have, the literature review classes or the aesthetic course, which had different lecturing, uh, we could do it virtually. At the same time, I feel like the residents, they're getting engaged when it's virtually, but it's not the same as having everybody in a room and you can see who is really participating or motivated. So I think, you know, we still try to find the balance but I'm happy that now that we're going to be doing the departmental courses back in person, I'm really happy about it. Absolutely. I don't think that I'll ever be able to give up that one-on-one -on -one interaction. And I think just for the nature of our business and, and our profession, that one-on-one -on -one interaction with our patients is so critically important because it ensures that the trust relationship is built with them. And if we don't have that time to spend with them, how can they learn to trust us, right? So I think we need to be back to a model where we are doing live education because I think that whole piece of that is missing for the time being. Uh, obviously, like you said earlier, we can't do much about that because we can't change what we can't change. 
but I, I am looking forward to that coming back. Me too. Yeah. Thank you, Katarina, for all your time and all this great insight into what you do as a faculty member. And I have just enjoyed spending some time with you and learning more about you and your travels back and forth from the United States. So thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much. And I would like to just close this uh, discussion, this conversation with a motto. You asked me before about a daily motto, but I think the motto in life that I have is that it's not the strongest of the species that survives and it's not the most intelligent that survives but it's the one which is the most adaptable to change and i think now because we're going through this very difficult situation with COVID, and we all were suddenly asked to change everything everything that we took for granted and we were taking for granted I think this model is the most up-to-date model that I could use for my life today. Absolutely. That was fantastic. Absolutely. We have to change. We don't have a choice, right? And Correct. those that aren't changing are going to be left behind. I do think that, you know, a little on the spiritual side, but I do think the universe is trying to teach us, okay, you guys have been going at 5,000 miles an hour. You've got to slow down and you've got to take the time, but you need to change because the way you've been doing things is not what you need to be doing. And the focuses that you've had are not necessarily the right way to focus your, your work and your professional life and your home life. Absolutely agree. Thank you so much, Mary Jane. Thank you so much, Katarina. Thank you so much for listening to the Women in Dentistry podcast with Dr. MJ Hanlon. If you like our show and want to know more about us, check out our website, thewomenindentistry.com, or please leave us a review on iTunes. Join us for our next episode as we bring you another amazing woman leading the way for the next generation.